Well, if you have your Bible with you this evening, please turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. We are going to be considering uh, this evening all 50 verses, so get ready for that. (laughs) No, this evening we will be considering verses 1 through 6, 1 through 6. And I do apologize in the bulletin, uh, there is the correct, the correct reference on the notes page, but the wrong title. It is Fear Free in the Fortress, so is the name of the sermon, title of the sermon. <clears throat> Psalm 18, beginning in verse 1, here now, the very word of God written for you and for me today. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress... I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Indeed, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, join me as we go before the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the preaching of the word. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, as we come now to this portion of Scripture, we pray that your Spirit would show us your truth. Open our eyes, our ears, and our understanding to receive your truth this evening, we pray. And we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, people of God, when God delivers one from the hands of his enemies, he is rightly praise. We find this to be the reason for and the content of Psalm 18. As David praised the Lord for his delivering him from the hands of Saul. Now, interestingly, this psalm is a song that is very close in its wording to those of the first seven verses of 2 Samuel 22. Children, all of you And indeed, all of you here tonight, put one finger in Psalm 18, and let's turn to uh, 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. 
And let's consider the first seven verses. Actually, it's 2 Samuel 22, I'm sorry. 2 Samuel 22. We read there in beginning in verse 1. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. My Savior, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. So as you consider these two passages, again, you see very much the similarities of the majority of the words in these two texts, but you also see some differences as well that are wonderful and even filling out more of the picture of David's praise. Notice in the introductory rubric of Psalm 18, if you turn there and back there with me, David is identified as the author of the psalm as well as the servant of the Lord. Now for further study, know that David is also given this title in Psalm 36. And what's the significance of David being the servant of the Lord? It, of course, communicates David belonging to and being in the service of the living God. Similar to the Apostle Paul's identifying himself in the greetings of many of his epistles as a bondservant or slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of his being an apostle, David here emphasizes the honor of his being a servant instead of the king of Israel. David devoted himself entirely to God's service and glory. In fact, David viewed being God's servant as a higher honor than his being king over a great kingdom. And this was important as he opened his lips in song and spoke to the Lord. Yes, he was the king but he was a servant of the living God. Let's look at David's words about his rock and fortress in the first three verses regarding pangs and floods and sorrows and snares in verses 4 and 5. And God hearing David from his temple in verse 6. David speaks of great love to the Lord in verse 1. If you look there, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Beloved, see how David proclaims that he would love his God with the utmost affection, 
with his whole soul. And this was true in David's present, as it would be even more so in his future. He will love the Lord. And there was reason for that, which he goes on to support in his next words, doesn't he? And this is good and right, as love of God is the first and great commandment of the law. Whereas many of David's uh, previous psalms, uh, and in those, he petitioned and, and prayed that God would deliver him with his power from his enemies in the future, here David praises God for what he has done, proclaiming God to be his strength because of what he has done. God's doing so indeed strengthened David's love. And as you look at verse 2, he continues to explain this and proclaim this to the Lord. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Beloved, Yahweh was David's rock and fortress. He is the same for you and me today in Christ. He was all that David needed in trouble. And in many times and occasions, he was all that David had. And that was enough. David knew that it was God who both protected and delivered him. And, and see a few things here. There are some wonderful nuggets and metaphors of truth to gather in this verse. He speaks of the Lord being his rock first. Though it was true that God was his solid safety, the, the Hebrew word for rock here points us not to the rock that David stood upon, but to God being a rock like cliffs and crags that David fled to for refuge. And this is what the Israelites did as well. Look at Judges chapter 6, the first two verses. We read there, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Remember also Israel's response to the Philistines in camping in Michmash in 1 Samuel 13, verse 6. We read there, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid where? In caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Notice that. Places of refuge. Places of hiding. Because of distress. Because of threats. We see Israel doing this time and again. But wonderfully, we are also pointed here to Jesus Christ himself, as Christ is the rock for his church. 
Consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, where he says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And further, beloved, we're encouraged elsewhere in Scripture. Not only does Paul make the connections, Old Testament and New Testament, that the rock is Christ, but we see that Christ is the chief cornerstone. Mark 12, verse 10. He is the rock and the solid foundation that the church is built upon. Peter's confession of Christ is, is the rock that the church is built upon, he said in Matthew 16, 18. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But secondly, David said that the Lord is his fortress. Now, when we think about fortresses, medieval fortresses may readily come to mind for many of you. If you get an image or an idea of a picture, you see some picture of a fortress, Often, that is the picture that is evident and on display. But truly, what is a fortress? And what was David referring to in the Lord being his fortress? Well, a fortress is a stronghold. We see in Psalm 31, verse 2, that David teaches us that God is a fortress of defense. To save us. Though the enemy came against the Lord and his anointed, beloved, God was David's impregnable stronghold. The enemy couldn't breach the walls. Christ is likewise the fortress and the high tower of refuge for his people. Neither Satan, his minions, the world, nor the corruptions of our flesh can breach. Christ's walls. We are safe. We are secure in Him. But David in his praise also proclaims the Lord to be His strength. Now interestingly, and I hope you see the continuity here and the flow of the message here in these metaphors, that the Hebrew word here for strength means a rock. Isn't that interesting? He is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my strength, which means he is a rock. But here it is referring to an immovable boulder. Now if we consider back to Matthew 16, 18 for a moment, when Christ named Peter in that verse, Peter, the Greek word is petros, means a stone. In Greek, when Jesus promised that on this rock I will build my church, the rock, and that word is Petra, means a massive boulder. Jesus was speaking of the rock solid confession that Peter made of Christ, and wonderfully, 
God was a boulder that David could put his complete trust in. And Christ is such for us today as well. And so he wasn't only his rock, he wasn't only his fortress, he wasn't only his strength, but David went on to say that he is my shield and the horn of my salvation. And see how all of these metaphors of strength point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we find shield and and horn of my salvation added to David's list of praise. And know that horn means strength. Strength means rock. Horn means strength. Remember what is true of Christ. He was the long-awaited horn who would be raised up. We see this in 1 Samuel 2, verse 10. We read there, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven, he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. God also said in Psalm 132 verse 17 that in Zion, There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. Pointing to Christ. Beloved, these metaphors of Christ's strength and safety and power need to be regular in our meditation and praise. Especially when we're distressed and in need of divine refuge as well as when we think about our salvation. David makes these connections in this psalm. And so do we. And because these things are true, notice that David goes on to say in verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now consider this prayer. Going to the God who is worthy to be praised. David saying this is important. Those who love the Lord can triumph in Him, beloved, and can call upon Jesus with confidence and great assurance that they will be saved. For all who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And this is what we hear, and this is what we learn and know from Acts chapter 2, verse 21, isn't it? And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so after praising God for his deliverance, again, I will love the Lord. And I love him even more, considering not what I'm beseeching and and praying for up ahead, but for what I already know He has done. I'm praising Him for what He has done. And in my deliverance, He has delivered me from Saul. He has delivered me from all of my enemies. That which I prayed for for so long, the Lord has brought about. But here, David recounts details of the situation that he was in that necessitated his deliverance. Look at verse 4 and 5. The pangs of death surrounded me. 
and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. Beloved, we, we know David's heart and, and we've been given windows into his internal thoughts. David was king of Israel. In many ways, he was a strong man. In many ways, he was also a weak man. Weak like us, in the sense of um, not being some impenetrable fortress like the Lord is. Like the one that he ran to for refuge, like Christ is. But he was a man who faced fear dealt with fear, wrestled with fear. He was a man of sorrows. He was a man that was confronted by death. Notice the vivid description of two threats that surrounded him. The pangs, or the tentacles of death, and the sorrows of Sheol through his enemies. See how death's ropes, so to speak, threatened to pull him down, he says, into Sheol. Remember what we learned in Psalm 17. Saul and his forces surrounded David and his men. They were stealthy. They outwitted and surprised him. Indeed, there was the great fight on the outside of David, coupled with fear and sorrow on the inside of David. Within his heart, he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed quite literally when you consider the force. But he was overwhelmed even within his own heart. He says the floods of ungodliness or, or the powers of evil and death, that they struck fear in David like rising floodwaters. In fact, the powers of evil are likened to an overwhelming flood in Scripture. Consider Isaiah 28, beginning in verse 14, regarding this. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. So we see these proud words of men, all of these preparations and defenses that they thought would hold up but not when against the living God. For he would have his way with them in righteous 
judgment. They could not hide. The waters would overflow the hiding places. They would sweep away the refuge of lies. See the contrast between the rock and the hiding place and the crags and the cliffs that such hiding places bring, that the Lord is likened to. Be it see the hiding places and the refuge of men and how they are no hiding place. They are no refuge when against the Lord. And yet considering these intense threats, Notice that David would be fear-free in the fortress. He would be fear-free in the fortress. Look at Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not what? We will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. All of that could happen. And yet, we will be free of fear with God as our refuge. Man can rail against God as fortress and the buttress and the protector of his people and make not one inch of progress. God comes against man and with one inch, wipes them out. He is our refuge and strength, and we too need to be fear-free in the fortress. Is this true of you? God is your refuge and strength. He is your very present help in times of trouble. Do the thoughts that go through your mind and the emotions that go through your heart and the actions that come from those, do they demonstrate that? Do you know who your God is? And know it in all the ways that it has impact in your life. If he is your fortress, which he is for each and every one of his people, if he is your fortress... That should impact everything else. It is a wrestle. It is a struggle. We all know it well. We know what is true. We we have the head knowledge, and sometimes the disconnect is between what we know to be true, the verities of truth that are the comfort of our souls, and yet what remain the struggles within As that knowledge waxes and wanes often in sinking into our hearts and bearing the fruit of peace that it ought. But notice as David considers these things, he goes on to praise God for hearing him. We've heard in verses 4 and 5 the distress. What, what was true in the past? What was, what was the reason behind his cry and his call? But now in verse 6 he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. 
He heard my voice from his temple, notice. And my cry came before him even to his ears. As much as David was fervent and frequent in prayer, beloved, God was and always is faithful to listen and hear. Notice that he heard David's distressed cry from his temple. This this too is significant. And why? We know that the temple was the place of God's special presence among his people. And therefore, in that sense, it was the place that he would hear prayers from. But also, there's additional significance in that at the dedication of the temple... Solomon stated that this was the right response to trouble. We see that in 1 Kings 8. Further, Matthew Henry says this, The more earnest we have been with God for deliverance, and the more direct answer it is to our prayers, the more we are obliged to be thankful. David cried out, he called out in distress, and that call we are very familiar with. We've seen that time and again in these Psalms, but here we see these nuggets of context that teach us and should press home more regarding the truths and this mosaic regarding our God. He heard from his temple. His cry came before him even to his ears. So, beloved, like David, is Jesus your rock? Is he your strength in whom you trust? Is he your fortress? Where do you run for refuge? Who do you stand upon? Are you fear-free in the fortress? As you meditate on these metaphors of Christ and His strength, the security that you have in Him as your fortress, this should be life-changing for you. And I pray that it is today. I pray that you leave this place And that the Spirit brings about what only He can in peace that passes understanding that is found in Christ. He is your fortress. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can penetrate His walls. Nobody can take you out from under the shadow of His wing. Like David, do you call upon the one who is worthy of praise? We've talked about praise in David and the Psalms, and these are songs that that David and others have, have sung to the Lord. But do you praise him because you recognize that he is the one that is worthy of your praise? He is the only one who is 
worthy of your praise. Take with you the truth of Psalm 145, verse 3, as you consider this. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. That is, in large part, why He is worthy of praise, because of His immense and infinite and eternal magnitude, because of His glory and majesty, because of His transcendence, because of all of the glorious attributes that are true of God. He shows us these things in the Scriptures. And we can't but open our mouths in doxology and praise. Because we see that He's worthy. David knew that He was worthy because of all that he had done. David knew his promises and all that he would do and kept looking forward to those as well. The worthiness of God. Consider that today, beloved. We praise Jesus for his person. We praise him for his rock-solid strength and our deliverance. We praise him for his great and awesome acts. We praise Him for His love. All of His attributes. Jesus is completely and perfectly worthy of it all. Worthy is the Lamb. He is the only one who can open the scroll. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Worthy is the Lamb and greatly to be praised. Joyfully give it to him, beloved. Don't hold it back from the one who is worthy. But open your lips freely and often. Give Christ the glory. And finally, do you call out to him in your distress, knowing that God hears you from, from the place where he responds to those in trouble? He hears you from his throne of grace. He, he hears you when you pray, and he calls you to come and to bring your petitions. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows the words that are coming out of your mouth and are going to come out of your mouth, but he calls you to come. He calls you to cry out to him. He calls you to call out to him in distress so that he can answer prayer according to his perfect will. Covenant relationship with the living God strengthened and built and deepened because of his faithfulness, because we see all that he has done and we trust in his promises and all that he will do. And even now, we seek to walk faithfully with Christ and keeping his commands. This is the Christian life. To stand on the rock. To praise the Lord Almighty. And to communicate with him faithfully and regularly in prayer. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray.